Hey everybody, welcome to the show. You read that title right. We're doing another one of these. We uh, really wanted to, um, you know, address some of the now 500 strong questions in the uh, queue of questions that we have in our Discord. And I spent a tireless day perusing them and picking out the best of them. And we have two of the pillars of Ember Sword here with us, Lauren and Yoris. Say hello. Hello. Hey everyone! <laughs> One of you followed the instruction and just went very jazzy with it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we got a fun lineup of questions. Let's uh, just jump right in, deep end. Is there a plan of integrating a pet companion for, like, for example, dragons or wolves in Ember Sword? Uh, heck yes. Um, yeah, we're actually huge fans of uh, of pets, and we'll indeed be integrating that into Ember Sword and and much beyond just integrating it uh in fact i'd say uh in the sense that we'll have a nice variety of different and unique pets for you to have but also those pets will have some slight utilitarian advantages like for example giving you some secondary inventory space to carry heavy stuff around for you uh and also uh more so than just giving you a, a cool pet to uh to play with these pets are actually going to be on chain. You know, you'll own them as an NFT. You'll be able to trade them and you'll even be able to breed them and do quite a number of other really cool interactions with them to really get the kind of pet that fits with you. Ooh, what about a pet rock? Oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely into the pet we rock. Pet rock. Yeah. My good sir, <laughs> I've caught you in a logical fallacy. How do you breed a pet rock? Ah, well, you know, there's, I'm, I'm sure there is some very detailed lore-based explanation for that, but I'm going to leave that to Sam when he comes on the podcast again. Do not Google and... how to breed pet rock. <laughs> Too late. It's a family show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great that we are, you know, in fact, thinking of integrating that. And it's nice that we uh, are pretty decently far along in terms of conceptualizing the pet aspect of Ember Sword. Um, here's something more juicy. Will items be sellable when a player is offline? Yes, they will be. So there's an auction house in Ember Sword, and you can just list an item in the auction house for a specific price. Um, once it's listed, you can go offline, you can go on vacation when you come back, uh, and if it's sold, you'll get a nice little notification saying, hey, you sold your, uh, you sold your beautiful pet rock, uh, go and collect your your tokens. Nice synergy. <laughs> How could you, though, sell that wonderful bedrock? I mean, come on. Heartless, right? Yeah, a little heartless, but he peed on the rug. So. <laughs> Some that messed up rocks. That of us is a dark place. <laughs> but yeah, uh, offline, I think, meant uh, more so if anybody can, can buy them outside of game. Will we have any type of interface? set up on, on some type of website? Do we plan on having an app, anything? I know this is yes. like very far away, but... Um, so so there is um, the auction... <clears throat> sorry, there's the auction house inside of the game uh, in which you can list things, but they're listed on chain, right? So you can then buy them through, for example, the website as well, which, you know, facilitates the same... Uh, the same traits, right? Uh, and third-party exchanges uh, may also be uh, listed. For example, OpenSea. Sweet. Well, sticking with that theme uh, of trading, will there be a quote-unquote trade window to give items or trade goods to other players? Yes. How so, would that function? 
Emersword's first and foremost a social game, right? So we want players to be able to trade with one another, and we really try to facilitate parties and that sort of thing. And trading is just part of one of those things. So essentially, you just click on a player, say trade. If they accept, you get a window. You can place items in there. Um, once you click accept, the window freezes as like a confirmation to avoid cheaters, right? And then once you both accept it, you, uh, you trade your items. Nice. Um... Moving on, there is quite a lot of hubbub about Solarwood being the First Nation, and some people are, you know, very curious as to how we're going to address, you know, different nations integrating into Solarwood, players from different nations integrating into Solarwood, considering it's going to be the first release. So, if Solarwood is the first nation to be released, does that mean that all players will have Solarwood as their home nation first? And what about the home nation exclusive resources in that case? So, um, yeah, first of all, obviously, with Solarwood being the first nation to be released, yes, all the players will have Solarwood as their home nation first. Now, about the home nation exclusive resources, these resources are kind of in a tiered system. And because we have this sort of tiered scheme of bringing the game to the players by building it together with the community and releasing new areas of the game and new skills and new resources and such on a quarterly basis uh, the home nation exclusive resources will probably take quite a while to actually enter the game so for now we're not that worried about it because our assumption is they won't be available yet from the start Right, so that's that's not uh, not really a concern for us. Of course, one of the other things that I've heard people ask about is, well, what does that mean? You know, because if everyone starts at Solarwood, doesn't it mean that all these Solarwood players will then level up and be really strong? And then when another nation goes online, there, you know, that nation is going to be at a disadvantage against these high-level Solarwood players. So. We don't believe that's an issue because there is some mechanics in the game that will rebalance this almost automatically as we open up the other nation. Because uh, each of these nations obviously has a limited set of resources, both you know in-game resources and on-chain resources. And everyone wants to get their hands on those resources, of course. So the moment a new nation starts out, empty, no players there, it is super attractive to go there because there be treasures, right? And there's no other players to claim them. And so what we're going to support is nation switching. So you'll simply be able to, once the new nation opens up, you'll be able to switch your character to a new nation. Obviously you can't do that every day, right? There's some kind of a cooldown involved there, but this basically just means that an even representation of the players that are present in Solarwood, let's say, you know, Duskoron opens up or so, right? An even representation of those players will likely make the decision to go to Duskoron and be part of that nation and benefit from all the new resources and areas that have unlocked, right? So it won't be that Duskoron will be all brand new players with brand new characters with no levels. It'll be just a natural migration of the people. Exactly. That's very well thought out actually that's awesome to hear um will account sharing be a thing no <laughs> um no account sharing i mean your character is a representation of you as a player right so mm -hmm. that uh can't split that up but nfts however so let's say you own a piece of land that you can share 
right? So you can, for example, lend out your land to a friend so they can play with it, or your pet, or any other NFT for that matter. So your character isn't, but the NFTs or on-chain items they are. Hmm. Well, th this might be too far along in the process, but how would that renting out process work? Um, <laughs> well, good question. <laughs> um, roughly speaking, you can... There's a smart contract which is uh, responsible for the lending. It's basically a uh, like a, a contract in which you lock up the NFT, and then you can give access or like authority of that NFT to some other player. Um, mm -hmm. So let's say you, Svetlin, had a piece of land, and you wanted Lauren to be able to place uh, a guild house on there and and you know create fun events for the community then you could put your land piece into a smart contract specifically for landing and then you can say all right lauren is allowed to you know be a, an authoritarian on this piece of land and, and place buildings and do things on the land hell yeah that's awesome actually i didn't think nfts facilitated that type of you know renting out of you know, quote unquote, renting out of property, but it's it's awesome to hear that we can implement something of the sort. You might find yourself even, uh, you know, lending out your pet rock for breeding purposes. Stop it. <laughs> Leave the pet rock alone. If this was monetized, <laughs> it would be so demonetized. It would be like <laughs> negative. We'd be bleeding money. We Bank will not rock. rest in this podcast until <laughs> the pet rock has become a valid Ember Sword meme. <laughs> The goddamn art community is going to have a field day with this one. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. I, I should yeah. have said that. Crap, they have all our faces <laughs> on video, too. This sucks. No, Svetlana, don't mention it. <laughs> this is getting worse. Quick, quick. Uh, something juicy, something juicy. Um, we're doing technical tests right now, right? Everybody knows this. We've released a couple of blog posts. I'll even a podcast on the topic. And, you know, it stands to reason that of course, we've shared as much. There are going to be many more in the future. Naturally, some progress is going to start getting accrued over these tests and alphas. So the question is, will progress roll over from these tests and alphas? Um, alphas? Yeah, so obviously uh, in the early phases, you know, during testing and also uh, to some extent during the alpha, uh, there'll be these checkpoints where we will reset the progress of your character Right, just to keep things a little balanced and fair. I mean, we, we won't have people who participated in the pre-alpha test suddenly have leveled up characters from there. Um, but of course, uh, you know, due to the nature of our game, the NFTs that you've collected in any of these testing phases, they will uh, they will last forever. So character progress, expect a couple of resets. And then at some point when we feel we've hit enough maturity for the game and enough of a player base, uh, we will announced that that'll be it in terms of the resets uh but uh, nfts those are yours forever of course naturally um well as more people start testing more people are going to start playing and that of course means somebody will uh, want to take advantage of the system um how are you going to handle cheating and scripting so we're working with a really cool ai company here in denmark and they're basically specializing in game-based cheat detection, as well as quite a lot of other things that uh, we haven't really touched on very much yet, I think. Um, but just to answer the, the cheating question, essentially we're using AI to detect cheaters and outliers. Um, and we won't initially be banning them automatically just to 
you know, make sure that the AI works correctly before, you know, we start <laughs> randomly banning people. Um, but as the AI matures and, and the model becomes uh, better and better, uh, it will be automatically able to detect a cheater and say, yep, this is no way uh, a real player and immediately boot them out of the game. Yeah, and, and obviously, like, and we've showcased this on multiple on occasion. Still, at the same time, obviously, the community is immensely important to us. So the good thing is, you know, this type of AI can also just spot these cases, uh, chuck them out temporarily if it's, you know, clear enough that there might be an issue. And then we can still throw it up for human review afterwards, of course, uh, because, you know, it would be really annoying, obviously, to get banned from a game you love this much uh, and you've spent this much time on just because of the fact that uh, there was a false positive detection. I mean, I would assume it's almost a necessity at first to have a human element since, you know, the AI needs time to build up and learn what cheating looks like. That's it's something, and this, this might be slightly tangential, but I've been wondering why companies have struggled with this. Uh, my, my main point of you know, contention here is um, CSGO. Uh, I've seen a decent bit of CSGO videos that deal with um, people just uh, doing what the game calls Overwatch cases, where somebody is, you know, watching someone cheat and they determine whether they've cheated and that they have a whole spreadsheet they can fill out with, you know, what the person's done. And I assume that's just to train some type of AI to be able uh... to do that job in the future. Could be, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. It likely is the case. The thing is, like, bots are really, really, really difficult to stop, right? Because all a bot's really doing at the end of the day is moving your cursor around and maybe you know pressing WASD when you're in uh, in a shooter. And you know, it's it's very difficult to know if a script is pushing W to move forward or if you as a player are doing that, right? The server, which is you know validating everything. It just says, yep, I'm moving forward, right? That's all the server knows. So to like discern that is really, really difficult. So where kind of an AI comes in is that it's able to discern like inhumanly fast responses, for example, or very consistent pacing. Like if, if it always takes like you shoot at an interval of exactly two times per second and there's exactly 500 milliseconds between every shot, right? No human being is that accurate. But if you consistently do that as a script, it becomes extremely apparent, like, oh, yeah, there's no way that this is not a robot. Right. Yeah, and, and the other thing that AI is really great at, you know, even when, you know, script and bot builders get really creative about trying to put randomization into place, the reality is, of course, human behavior and the patterns of an actual genuine human player will always be quite different from an AI. And the AI doesn't quite have the amount of data or let's say the AI would, let's say the bot, right? The the bot builders don't have the amount of data that we have on how players behave and move in game, etc. right? So we might have data from millions of players and we can kind of start training the AI on that to understand, oh, well, how does a genuine human player act versus how do these confirmed bots act, right? And, and anyone who just kind of falls out of that pattern is at least flagged for, hmm, something might be suspicious there. 
it's awesome that we have a game plan in place for this and not, you know, the Valve strategy of let uh, volunteers from the community just parse over videos, uh, report people for banning and do nothing with it. So yay us. Speaking of servers, how's this for a segue? Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of players from all across the world in Ember Sword, at least. You know, that's what we're seeing in terms of, you know, the spread of people in the Discord, for example. So, um, and we've mentioned that the world's going to be huge and that we're doing everything possible to make it, you know, easily playable on many machines and more importantly, easily playable with many people on screen. So with that in mind, will all players be on one realm or will the map be mirrored on different realms and servers that players from different regions and countries play on? Right. So um, when it comes to uh, comes to this, first of all, obviously, we have, just like you said, Svetlana, an audience all around the world. And just for latency's sake, it already makes sense to provide some regions. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that land in one region is different than land in another region. So if you own a piece of land, you know, you'll own that same piece of land and the same stuff will be on it in every region. Right. Uh, however, you know, these regions make a great way to provide the local players with the best possible game experience. That being said, right, all of this, uh, all, all of this, uh, this infrastructure is freely accessible, even if you're in another region. So if you're in Europe, but you really all your friends are in the US, you want to play with them, right, you can totally do that. But there's definitely going to be that region split. And then also, obviously, there is, although our game world is really big, there is a finite world, right? So there's going to be some point potentially where due to player-based growth, eventually there's just too many players flocking into a region. And at that point, yes, we will obviously create an additional shard uh, to be played in in that particular region so that we you know don't suffer from the situation where it's literally that many players that you're just you know drowning in <laughs> fellow players uh, as you walk into any town yeah and i would assume it stands to reason that nfts are going to be mirrored because that's you know kind of yeah, yeah that, part of the game. That, that's kind of what i mentioned right, right yeah, so course, you know those are accessible in any one of the regions and they're the same thing essentially Yaris, mm. anything to add because this was a, a point of contention in our uh, pre-podcast uh, you know preamble uh yeah yeah it's a, it's a bit of a like complicated question to answer um but essentially uh we try to fit as many people in a single world as makes sense right uh, and then, you know, once there's overflow, we just spin up more servers or more realms, if you will. Um, and also, if you're in Europe, for example, but you want to play with your friends in the US, you can just hop onto the US servers and play there. Uh, you're not confined to your, like, to Europe, you're not confined to Asia. So you can play mm -hmm. with your friends whenever you want. That is really exactly. Um, here's a fun one, a couple of fun ones, actually. Quote unquote fun ones. Of course, all of these have been pretty fun. <laughs> To uh, round out the podcast, uh, this is a, a bit of a conceptual one. What games do you guys think could have benefited from having an NFT of blockchain element earlier within their development? Um, uh, a few come to mind. Like like RuneScape is one of them. I know I keep mentioning RuneScape. I'm sorry. Um, at least I'm not <laughs> saying Neocron, right? It's like, it's <laughs> don't 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 say the magic <laughs> don't word. Don't say it. Um, no, but like in RuneScape, uh, in the beginning there were these party hats, uh, which came from some event that happened at the time. You could only get them from the event and then, you know, 
three years later, there weren't that many left anymore, mm-hmm. uh, and the player base had grown. So having a party hat was, you know, was really cool because there was only a few thousand of them in the game. But then, due to some duping bug, people managed to duplicate the party hats, and so someone managed to create thousands upon thousands of party hats. Um, so they basically inflated the market a lot, uh, making them almost useless and and one person like one big whale just owned all of the party hats right and owned the entire economy and could uh, set the price any way they'd want to sheesh bummer um which obviously could have never happened if it was on chain um and then another one which i guess comes to mind is fortnite uh in the beginning in fortnite they had this skin which was like a skeleton skin and it was like in the first or second season or something and if you met a player with the skeleton skin in game you knew you were screwed right because <laughs> it was like a season one thing right so they had been playing for a while so it kind of became like a little bit of a like inside joke if you were playing the game and you saw a skeleton guy you were screwed right and then epic was like oh well everybody wants it we can make some good money let's just sell it again and it came, became completely useless right because now everybody had one now now your six-year-old nephew had the skeleton skin and he sucks at Fortnite. So <laughs> suddenly it just, it didn't, you know, it, it kind of lost its value and that was just too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me... Um, it's Neocron, isn't it? No, I mean, okay, I'll start out with World of Warcraft. <laughs> Definitely Neocron 2, of course, you know. I, I, I have to mind my reputation there, no. Um, but, but World of Warcraft obviously created an immense amount of value in its items. And if you just see the amount of bans that occurred there for massive transaction uh, transactions on, like, sales of items and characters and so on and so forth where literally sometimes things were being sold against the terms of service for you know almost a hundred thousand dollars in a single transaction and then people get banned the very next few days or so i think you know there's better ways to handle that (laughs) um i would say yeah neocron but from maybe a slightly different perspective which is this notion that when you do do these kind of things on chain you also think more about what absolute supply should be and proper limitations to generating these things etc etc it all tends to be a bit more secure and better worked out and i i remember there was a, a moment in neocron where literally a bug reared its head some ghost in the machine that i think to this day it hasn't been diagnosed why on the world that happened right and and basically at you know at at some uh, in some corner of one of the main zones in the city uh, a stream of items literally started dropping from the sky and and they were vip penthouse apartment keys and not just single ones but stacks of a thousand apiece oh right and they God. were just piling up in the corner over there and so obviously some people ran by and started gathering those and it took quite a while before anyone found out that that was happening in that little corner and by that time people had made off with you know literally millions upon millions of these keys and the problem was that was about the most expensive item in the game clocking in at something over a million credits so a single stack was like a billion credits (laughs) and since it was not caught in time First of all, obviously, 
there was some significant economic inflation because everyone was a billionaire. <laughs> and then and then there was the other odd side effect that uh, because it was a skill-based game and you had like, you know, these skills and sub-skills and you had intelligence, which had barter as a sub-skill. And if you had even one point in barter, if you made any transaction at a shop, uh, you would be given intelligence experience for it based on the size of the transaction. Oh, and so within a few days, the whole world was just crawling with these psi monks, which were the ones that had up to a level 100 in intelligence and also up to a level 100 in psi. And there were just psi monks everywhere with like level five in psi and level 100 in intelligence. <laughs> Because they simply created their character, put one point into barter, and then just sold a thousand of these apartment keys, netting not just a billion credits, but also maxing out their character's intelligence. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think that's one of those examples of where, oh crap, you know, if we had thought more about absolute limits to the quantities of how things get generated and really clean rules as to uh, the odds and frequency at which things get generated as we do on chain, that probably never would have happened. <laughs> I legit cannot wait until you bring in a couple more Neocron stories triggered by... It's like it's like your Vietnam, almost. So <laughs> I just... I can't wait until somebody hunts down all of the mentions and just makes a Neo, Neo compilation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this is what happens when you're there, like in the very early years, when you know people are still building MMORPGs from their garages. Yeah. Uh, you know, great, great experiences happen, but also, you know, the funniest disasters. Settling, <laughs> didn't you mean a Neil Cron pilation? I was, I was desperately <laughs> trying to make my brain, yes, say the words <laughs> funnily, but it just shut down in the middle of the word, and I didn't want to seem like I can't speak. Because this is kind of my job. Um, so, anyway, moving on. One of the biggest mysteries in Embersword. What the heck type of animal is Whiskers? Right, well, there's a question. Uh, I, I heard the suggestion a catcoon, sort of a, a cat meets a raccoon. I've, you know, I've heard mentions of maybe it's a red panda. I, I, I think, honestly, it's a, it's a mystical creature that comes <laughs> to our art director, Sage, in his dreams and whispers, you know, ideas of Neocron into his ear. <laughs> Um, and then there's, you know, there's the there's the rumors that that sometimes at night something scurries into the office and and a bunch of the snacks are gone. Uh, but we're no, still wondering whether that's yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just one of the interns. <laughs> they don't get to leave the office. <laughs> and we also buy them red suits just for synergy and to keep them bit alive. <laughs> Good. It's good to know that he's a literal sleeper agent. Moving on. Uh, this one is purely self-indulgent, but hey, I edit these, so I can do this. Um, what are the chances of me ever DMing some sort of Ember Sword-themed D&D campaign? We had a whole episode of the podcast that was dedicated to D&D stories. I love doing offbeat episodes of the show every once in a while, as the listeners know, to, you know, present... A side of us that you know shows yes we are in fact human and we and we enjoy things so with that in mind yes that is absolutely a possibility in fact uh should or rather when i make my way over to denmark and hang out with the guys in the office i may or may not have a little something prepared of course 
cleared by our narrative designer, Sam, for maximum accuracy, so I don't make an ass out of myself. And we may or may not have some cameras set up, and maybe some dice are going to get thrown. We're going to see what happens. So we're going to leave you with that one. Uh, thank oh, you sure. for everybody. Oh, yeah. That Jeez, is going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we are so on board with that, Svetlin. I mean, I, I got my dice pouch ready. Ooh, you have a dice pouch? Damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> take take that stuff uh, seriously. <laughs> That's not a euphemism, by the way. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Something, something, Fred Rock. Um, uh, great. Well, you've locked yourself in. <laughs> yep. Just wrap it up. <laughs> You're absolutely just downhill from here. Yeah. Oh luckily, yeah. Luckily, the hill stops. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, <laughs> Thank you to my guests. What's up? I, I was gonna say, Svetlin still needs his B-roll, right? That's so. Right. Oh yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I can just take some from other episodes. Who's gonna know? <laughs> we just gotta find a find a segue back to the pet rock, and you know, in 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 some way have like some pet rock breeding grounds in the first release of the game. Oh Jesus. <laughs> This is all staying. <laughs> you are trapped here until I do the outro. Ahem. Huh? Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Thank you to my guests for participating. Uh, we hope that, you know, shedding some light on additional aspects of Ember Sword is, is interesting for you guys. It seems to be, but, you know, we always enjoy recording these, so look forward to more of these in the future. Thanks, guys, for participating. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, you. You made it to the end. Congratulations! That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news! We're all over the internet! Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmbersword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Embersword.